lately, I have just had so many contacts with people who are struggling with life and dealing with some really deep, deep issues of life. And some have indicated that they're giving up because things become so overwhelming and so difficult for, uh, for people. And we have attacks upon us from all directions. If you're uh, in society and your ears are open at all, you will hear people who are criticizing and, and uh, attacking your beliefs and your thoughts and the things that are important to you. Uh, this morning uh, in the news, I happened to hear Vice President uh, Pence, and he was talking to a, a graduating class yesterday, and he was mentioning the fact that there are continued attacks, and people need to prepare, be prepared for that because society right now is set up to attack Christianity. And we know that as Christians that that is really an attack from Satan, he wants nothing more than to destroy God's church, uh, to destroy those of us who are Christ followers. On the screen you see that picture of the Bible uh, that is on display. And uh, this past Thursday I heard a story on Fox and Friends about a lawsuit against a uh, veterans facility in New Hampshire. And the lawsuit um, uh, was that they had to remove this Bible, that the Bible was offensive to people who were at the VA facility. And uh, the story behind the Bible was uh, particularly interesting to me. Uh, this Bible had belonged to a man who had been a, uh, a veteran. He had been a prisoner of war during World War II. And uh, his faith in God was the only thing that sustained him and helped him through that extremely difficult time that he was experiencing. Uh, this man talked about uh, prayer. He talked about Bible verses and um, that this Bible was the thing that, that uh, kept him moving forward. And so he had, den he had donated this Bible to this VA facility that he had been living in and uh, wanted it to be there for other people who would, who would come in. But this lawsuit uh, was brought forth uh, by a, a group uh, that was uh, there and their decision, their, their motive was to remove anything that had to do with the Word of God from this facility. I'll share with you a little bit more on that in a little while. Uh, in this day and age, and I know all of you have seen these things, but you know, if if you come out and uh, say that you're a Christian, anything that you say it seems like gets attacked from uh, from society, and we see it in in the world, in the news, different places where. Uh, people who have taken a stand for Christ are being just bombarded with hate speech and things that are coming against them. And yet there was just this uh, thing on uh, Facebook, and I, I haven't checked to see if it was true, but, but it was certainly uh, indicative of something. And there was these young 
children who were up reciting some things from their Muslim faith, the things that they had been taught. And basically, uh, the words that they were saying is that Christians should be killed, they should be beheaded, that as an act of obedience by these people, they should be standing up and doing that. Now, imagine if a Christian had stood up, or a group of Christians, where we have a group of kids up here in front of the church, and they were reciting something along that same line. Can you imagine the outrage? They would, they would be here tearing this, this building down. Uh, and yet, in our society today, we turn our heads and we say, oh, well, they're just expressing their beliefs. And the sad part of it is, is that we, in, a, in essence, kind of condone that behavior. But one of the things that, that I hear and I see is young people who are so confused by all of this attack that they don't know what to believe. They don't know where to go. They have so many doubts and fears. There are so many young people who are committing suicide these days. It's not unusual to, to look in the obituaries of the paper and, and to read this teenager died unexpectedly. Or this 20-some-year-old died unexpectedly. Or a 30-year-old died unexpectedly. What that's telling me is that those people could not stand what's going on in their society and they've given up and they've walked away. And it creates in us a doubt. All of these attacks, all of these things that we hear, all of the... The, the things that are coming at us create a period of doubt where you kind of sit back and you say, what if, what if I am wrong? What if there is no hope? What, what if there is no future? All there is is the doubt and the pain and the agony and the hurt that I'm experiencing today overwhelming that can be. I want to give you an example of that from the Bible today. So if you would turn with me to Matthew 11. Matthew 11, we're beginning verse 1. And uh, in your, I didn't look up the page number, but it's the first uh, book of the New Testament. You should be able to find it pretty quickly and easily. In Matthew 11, beginning of verse 1, it says, When Jesus had finished instructing His twelve disciples, He went on from there to teach and preach in their cities. Now then John, this is John the Baptist, heard in prison about the deeds of the Christ. He sent word by His disciples and said to Him, Are you the one who is to come, or shall we look for another? And, he, and Jesus answered them, Go and tell John, what you hear and see. The blind receive their sight and the lame walk. Lepers are cleansed and the deaf hear. And the dead are raised up and the poor have good news preached to them. And blessed is the one who is not offended by me. Let me lead us in a word of prayer as we continue. Lord God, I thank you for this time. And I thank you for your word that gives us a hope 
in a world that is full of lack of hope, we have the hope of eternity because of the finished work that you did for us upon that cross, Jesus. And so, Lord, I thank you for that, and I thank you for your word. I thank you for leading and guiding us here today. Be glorified, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So if, let me kind of set for you a little bit of the um, uh, thoughts here. John the Baptist. You remember the story uh, of when uh, Mary, the mother of Jesus, was pregnant for, for baby Jesus. And uh, she went to her relative Elizabeth's house. And when she walked into Elizabeth's house, Elizabeth was pregnant for John, who would become John the Baptist. And when Mary walked into that room, the baby she was carrying leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. When Jesus leaped in, or when John leaped in his mother's womb, because Jesus came into the presence, that tells us that there was a recognition even in the womb. That was a Holy Spirit thing working in John within his mother's womb, and he leaped for joy because Jesus had come in to that room. Why is he doubting? Well, there's another time. You remember... John was out baptizing, and he's in the Jordan River, and, and Jesus comes to him. <laughs> I, I, I can relate with, with John here. Jesus comes to him, and he wants to be baptized by John. And John was like, whoa, wait a second. <laughs> I, I can't baptize you. You should be baptized. I, you're, essentially, he's acknowledging you are God, Right? I mean, when you read that scripture, you're very clear that, that John here recognizes who Jesus is and he does not feel competent to be able to baptize this Son of God. And, he's, and Jesus says, well, let's just do it for now. It's okay. That's my paraphrase. But, but essentially, that's, that's kind of what he's saying, right? He's saying, let it be so for now because it was fulfilling what he was supposed to do. He was supposed to get baptized at that point. And John, who leaped in his mother's womb, who didn't feel competent or adequate to be able to baptize adult Jesus, and then there was time when John the Baptist confessed that Jesus was the Lamb of God who came to take away the sins of the world. All of these things show that at one point or another, John, a godly man, by, by the, the, every description you can think of, John, a godly man, recognized who Jesus was. But then from the scripture that I just read to you, what do you see here? That same John was under stress and pressure from the world. He's in jail. And he is about to be killed. He has a death sentence upon him. 
And because of that, because he, he's not quite sure, like, wait a minute, what's, what's going on? <laughs> I, I, I was, I, I'm sure you're the, the Messiah, and you're supposed to be coming, and you're supposed to be setting up a new kingdom, and I shouldn't have to deal with this death. I shouldn't have to be in jail. I've got all of this stuff coming at me. I don't know what's happening. The world is full of confusion for me. I'm scared. I'm worried. I don't know what's happening. Are you the one? Isn't that what he asked his disciples, his followers to go and find out? Are you the one? But John doubted and wondered at that point who Jesus was. But you know what he doesn't do? You, know, you notice what it doesn't say that John did? It doesn't say that John just gave up. That, that John just quit. He sent his disciples, his followers, and he says, go and ask them. Go and seek out Jesus and find out from him if he is the one. Because I believe he was, but, but I don't know what's going on because this doesn't fit within the scenario that I had in my mind about what was going to happen in the world. I, I'm confused. I'm in jail. I, I am on a death sentence. I don't know what's going on. And I love Jesus' answers. Look, if you can't believe some of the things that we've experienced in the past and things, look at what I'm doing. I'm healing, right? I'm, I'm, I've been teaching. Uh, pe- people are getting up and, and they're seeing people who have been blind. The lame are walking. Lepers, people with, with leprosy all over their bodies. We, we just studied this a couple of weeks ago. Uh, Dave Kilpel led us and we were talking about uh, this in our Tuesday Bible study, the leprosy, and, 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 and Jesus saying, I, I'm even cleaning lepers <laughs> and, and taking care of that. And he's saying, the lame are seeing, the, are walking, the, light, the blind are seeing, the deaf are hearing. If you can't necessarily just believe the words, Look at the things that are happening and you will see that God is working through me. I am who I said I was. That's what Jesus is telling them. Well, the fact that John sent his disciples means that he was not giving up. He was seeking answers he was looking for the truth. I think he gives us a model, an example of what we need to do as well. We have people around us who are Christians or call themselves Christians who are really challenging and tearing down the church in many ways. Back to the example of the Bible that I shared with you and had up on the screen. The lawsuit says that Plaintiff Chamberlain, the guy who is named in there, is a former Air Force pilot and a devout Christian. 
who believes the Bible should be removed. As a Christian, he respects and loves all his military brothers and sisters and does not want to be exclusionary by placement of the Christian Bible, the complaint says. Now, here's the suspicious uh, uh, detective cop brain coming into play here a little bit, but when I read that, what I really see is somebody, some law agency who wanted to do away with this, this group wanted to do away with the Bible, came to this guy and says, hey, you know what, this is exclusionary and you shouldn't be having this Bible in here. You need to do something about this. And, and, and probably convinced this man to bring this lawsuit and probably not even realizing what he was doing and, and how destructive that could be. When I read things like this, I, I think about how even within the church we have people who undermine the Word of God. There are pastors and, and leaders in churches who are, are tearing down the very Word that is the foundation of our faith and belief. And we need to be those who can stand against that. In difficult times, it's the times when we need to draw closer to and believe in the finished work of Jesus Christ. Not to walk away from it, not to distance ourselves, not to discourage one another, but to encourage one another with the Word. So I was thinking about this whole issue, and I was thinking about the concept of belief. And, you know, sometimes it's not easy to believe. There's, there's a lot of reasons for us. Sometimes we, we get so caught up in, in the everyday life and things are happening around us and we get confused and we get discouraged. And, it, and it's easy for us to, to kind of give up. And I, I kind of wondered, like, what does is, what is the Bible, you know, talk about with belief? And so I, I did some searching and I, and I found a number of verses. I'm not going to to do them all, but I just want to share a couple of them real quickly with you. In John 1.12, it says, But all who did receive Him, who believed in His name, He gave right to become the children of God. Notice what it required there. It didn't require them to do a work. It didn't require them to accomplish something. It didn't require them to do anything but to what? Believe. Believe what? Believe Him. Believe in His finished work. Believe that He was the Christ. In John 6.29 it says, Jesus answered them, This is the work of God, that you believe in Him whom He has sent. The work of God is to believe. John 10.38, speaking of miracles, If you do them, even though you do not believe Me, Believe the works that you may know and understand that the Father is in me and I am in the Father. Again, the concept, the idea there is if you, if you can't believe everything that is happening or that you've learned or whatever else, at least believe in me and believe in the things that I have accomplished. You know, I, I, I was... Some of you, if you're Facebook friends, you know that I post pictures of our sunsets and I love sunrises and sunsets it really connects with me but what I see when I see those things is I see God I see a creator who has created this beautiful 
world. And, and the sunrises and the sunsets are an example of how awesome and amazing our world is. And if you think about how awesome and amazing our world is, is it easier for you to believe that, that somebody with an amazing heart and eye and, and, and vision created it, or is it easier to believe that it evolved out of nothing? And for me, it draws me and draws my attention to a Creator God. And I can't help but look at God and rec- or at the world and, and these things and recognizing God in that. And that's part of what Jesus is trying to teach here. Is look, in, instead of looking at things and, and wondering, look at what God has created. Look at the amazing things that God has done for you and for me. Well, you would think that, and that's already up there, but you would think that the disciples who are walking with Him on a daily basis for years, you would think that for sure they, they must have belief, right? They, they've seen all of these things He's done. They've heard His teaching. They've interacted with Him. Certainly they have to believe. And yet, we have example after example of lack of belief. In John 14, Jesus has been describing to the disciples, uh, these men who had been following Him, that He is or who He is, and He had given them the instructions about who He is. That He had been telling them all along about who He is. And here we have Philip. And Philip comes along and he says, Jesus, show us the Father. Let me read it for you. I have been with you. And, and Philip said that. And Jesus says to him, Have I been with you so long and you still do not know me, Philip? Whoever has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Do you not believe that I am in the Father, and the Father is in me. The words that I say to you, I do not speak on my own authority, but the Father who dwells in me does His work. Believe me, when I, that, I'm sorry, believe me that I am in the Father, and the Father is in me, or else believe on account of the works themselves. So Philip, one who had been walking along with Jesus, who had been listening to all of this instruction, he's saying, but are you really? Isn't that really what he's saying here? If you really are the Son of God, show us the Father. Jesus is saying to him, wait a minute, <laughs> have you not paid attention? As we were walking along the roads and, and as we were eating meals together and as we were talking and visiting back and forth, did you not hear me? I and the Father are one. You have seen the Father because you've seen me. I am God the Son. I am part of the triune God. Later in John 14, he brings in the fact that he's going to send the Holy Spirit, the other part of the triune God, the other one of the triune God. Well, how about Thomas? We all love uh, Thomas, right, for his great faith. Uh, Everybody knows him as Doubting Thomas. Um, and, and I think, you know, there's value in us to have had people like Thomas and Philip who questioned and wondered because it gives Jesus an opportunity to teach us, doesn't it? So from John 20, 24 to 29, 
we read this. Now Thomas, one of the twelve, called the twin, was not with them when Jesus came. So this was after the resurrection, after Jesus had been brought back to life, uh, after his crucifixion upon that cross, and he comes uh, to them and he said, so the other disciples told him, we have seen the Lord. (laughs) Can you imagine that conversation, by the way? You know, sometimes when I read these things, it's like, wow, I can't imagine what it must have been like. These guys all loved him. They had been walking with him. They had seen him. They would interacted with him. He crucified. They're wondering, oh no, is it all over now? And they're together and they're talking about this. And he said, Thomas's response is, unless I see this, see in the hands the mark of the nails and place my finger into the mark of the nails and place my hand into his side, I will never believe. There's some of us that are that way, aren't there? That no matter what we have seen or heard, we almost make that decision, I will never believe. Well, eight days later, his disciples were inside again. Thomas was with them. Although the door was locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here and see my hands. And put out your hand and place it into my side. Do not disbelieve, but believe. Thomas answered him, My Lord and my God. Jesus said to him, Have you believed? Do you believe because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen me and yet believe. So again, we see people who are part of Jesus' group who don't always believe and understand. And then the next person that we see, I'm sorry, I got behind on these. Let me see if I can catch you up. So Thomas doubted, uh, Philip doubted, and then Peter doubted. You remember the story of, or the the account of um, Jesus walking on the water, and there's a lot of waves and wind and storm, and he's walking on the water, and and Peter says, uh, hey, Jesus, can I come out and walk with you? Again, that's my paraphrase. But that, you, you kind of get the idea, right? I mean, wouldn't we all like to do that? Think about that, right? So has anybody in here ever walked on water? Okay. Oh, yeah, you, you walk on water all the time, I know. <laughs> yeah, well, it's frozen. Yeah, I go. I got you. <laughs> I, I knew Jeff would get, you know. <laughs> But, but can you imagine, right? So there's waves and there's wind. And, and, and Jesus says, yeah, come on. And, and he comes out and he, he's walking on the water. Now, what I think about with that is like, I feel, wow, this is really cool, right? But Peter's walking out there and all of a sudden he's like, I'm walking on water. Oh, oh, oh what if I sink? What? What now? What is he doing? He's doubting. He's doubting. He's, he's a guy who, was, who would later become the leader of the church, one of the most influential people in the early church, and yet he had this period of doubt. And later on, he, he doubts again uh, when Christ is going to the cross. He's saying, well, no, that's not, that's, that's not the way I pictured it. I don't understand it. Don't, don't be doing that. And, and so... That's kind of what happens. So, you know, sometimes circumstances in our lives just cause us to uh, lose sight of who God is and what He has done, what Jesus has done for us. If you think about the attacks and the things that are happening around us, 
We have to do something to make sure that we're anchored to the One who, with, with whom we have hope for eternity. And what we need to do, 1 John 5, 4-5 says, For everyone who has been born of God overcomes the world. Did you read that? Hear that? Everyone who has been born of God, if you become a Christian, according to God's Word, you have overcome. That's past tense. You have done it. You have overcome the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. It's our belief in the finished work of Jesus Christ on that cross. Who is it that overcomes the world except the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God? If you want to stand up to the the doubts and the pains of the world, believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. He is our only hope. But we can't just come on a Sunday morning and hear, you know, I, I don't know about you, I've just really enjoyed Pastor Brian's series from Romans. It's been awesome teaching. It's not enough for us to come and hear that teaching on a Sunday morning. We have to get into God's Word on a regular basis. In, in 2 Timothy 2.15, and this is from, from memorization of King James, but it says, Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightfully dividing the word of truth. This is the word of truth. We are to rightly divide it. That means that we study it. We use it appropriately and correctly. We don't distort it. We don't twist it. We don't change it to make it fit with what what we want it to say. We study it and obey it and we do it. And that will give us the foundation to stand on. It gives us the hope and the promise. We cannot do anything to earn our salvation. But once we are saved, Jesus has given us the answer. Blessed are those who do not, or have not seen me and yet believe. That's you and I. I don't know if any of you have, have seen Jesus personally. I hear testimonies of people who, who say they saw Jesus or whatever. I, I haven't. But but I believe, I believe in Jesus. And when I asked Jesus into my heart, into my life, I was filled with the Holy Spirit who allows me to understand God's Word and it, and it gives me that firm foundation upon which I can stand on a regular basis. One of the teachings that we read is in God's Word when Jesus is talking to Thomas and He tells him, oh, there we go, we have to believe God's Word. And He says, stop doubting and believe. That's Jesus' instructions to Thomas. But that instruction is applicable to you and to me as well. Stop doubting. Believe. We do that and we get the foundation as we study God's Word. And then we have to trust in the finished work of Jesus Christ upon the cross. If we don't trust, then we are going to be tossed to and fro by the world. We will face opposition and struggles, but we are, to, we are called to believe. What does the church do what does the church do when it's faced with opposition? What, what, what do we do when we 
see people who come in and, and destroy things that belong to our faith and, and, and cause us to question and wonder. At the Manchester Veterans Facility, the officials there, because of the lawsuit, temporarily removed the Bible from display. It was out of an abundance of caution. The VA spokeswoman, Kristen Presley, said in a statement provided to us today, following that removal, Manchester VAMC received an outpouring of complaints from veterans and other stakeholders, many of whom dropped off Bibles at the facility to protest this action. It is okay for us as Christians to stand up and proclaim the good news. It is okay for us to share with others about Jesus Christ. It is okay for us to provide Bibles and to do other things that help people to know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. We don't have to cover. We don't have to pull away. We don't have to quit to give up. We can stand in the trenches. Jesus has already won the victory. And He says to us, if I can get this to advance, there we go. Stop doubting and believe. Oh, back it up one. Stop doubting and believe. We need to be those who don't doubt, but rather believe. Mothers, you have an amazing influence on your children when it comes to the spiritual. Fathers, you also have an amazing opportunity. We need to be teaching these things. We need to believe so much that we influence our young people who are growing up to come and believe and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. I want to leave you with one word of encouragement. There are a lot of doubters. There are a lot of people out there who question and wonder. I read the end. You know what? Jesus wins. You are on the winning team. Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. That is the call. Stop doubting. Believe and trust in Him. He will do wonderful and amazing things through you if you will only trust and believe. Lord God, I thank you for your love and your grace that are so overwhelming and so amazing to us. I, I pray, Lord, that as we go from this place, that you will help us to be those who witness and testify for you. When we are encouraged to doubt, help us to be encouraged to believe. When we wonder, help us to believe. When we doubt, when, we, when we're hurting, when we're struggling, help us to believe. It's not easy to believe, God. But it's all You ask us to do. And You ask us because it is a choice. It is a decision of the heart that we can choose to doubt or we can choose to believe. Help us in our unbelief to believe in Your finished work upon that cross, Jesus. In Your name we pray. Amen.